call to order and then we'll so vote. Good afternoon, evening everyone. Um, so we'll call the meeting to order at 5.30 p.m. And we'll do roll call. Captain, Lucia Angel. Here. Neha Banger. Steve Frank Walker. Here. Richard Harvey Jr. Present. Alicia Madeline. Here. Eric Murphy. Don Harris. Here. Mark Smith. Derek Stahl. Here. Ali Yetin. Here. Great, thank you. Um, so we have quorum. Um, so first on the agenda, um, unless there's any objections, um, we'll approve last month's agenda.
launched on the 28th of September, and it's going well. Um, there are some fine things that need to be fixed um, every day, and those issues are being worked on, and it's going well. So clinics are not running too terribly late, even though it's a new system that we're on, and um, care is not compromised. But um, there are tickets, things that need to be fixed at various times, workflows that aren't necessarily dialed in in all of the places with the new system, but they're working through them and doing a great job, including it's mobile. So a poor example of a ticket for us was that Alameda Health System, because mobile clinic is such a small clinic, in Epic you have these different places. You could go to K6 or you can go to Highland, um, what, HCP4, HCP5, or Hayward Wellness, and there was um, no, there, there was an AHS mobile, and so when you say, oh, I'm in the AHS mobile department, <coughs> our registration wasn't set up like um, an ambulatory clinic, it was set up a little bit more like an emergency department, <coughs> and so it was requiring forms of us that we didn't really need to have. And since we didn't need the forms and didn't have the forms, we couldn't register the patient, right? Because it was stopping us from registration because it thought we were different from what we were. So we call it a ticket, we say, we're set up like an emergency department, not like a clinic. We need to be set up like a clinic. They fix it. We can register our patients. <coughs> we don't need the forms that are not required of us any longer. So it's things like that that happen. Things that we can see pretty easily. The medical director position is posted online. So you know, as any uh, potential medical directors for Alameda County Healthcare for the or for Alameda Health System Healthcare for the Homeless Center, go ahead and have them. Apply. I will say we have two very qualified applicants who have already applied. And since you guys have already set up a committee, um, then we'll be working with uh, those applicants in that committee to kind of do some next steps. And we're working on promoting kind of our mobile health clinic. We've done some internet updates with our new mobile clinic. Any questions?
not say yeah. how many staff are going to be on the van this week. I did report on it last month, but um, who weren't here. So it's, I'm just making sure there are five. So there's a nurse practitioner, there's two mobile health specialists, those are community health outreach workers. They're like the county social workers are our community health outreach workers, and we call them mobile health specialists because they can drive. So they get a special title for their driving privileges of the 38 foot vehicle. We have a medical assistant and we have a patient services representative, formerly known as an eligibility clerk. They're the ones who are doing the um, registration. Public can find this information, uh, the Alameda Health System. Brenda, have we put this up on, on, on the internet? <coughs> where the board stuff is. We haven't yet, we just updated it. But generally that's where we that's where it goes. What about the general public? Yeah, the general public has access to that. For Alameda Health System. Okay, so yeah. I want to say something. So for the purposes of the California uh, Brown Act, uh, let the record reflect that the calendar that we have provided on the October uh, 8, twenty nineteen meeting uh, is subject to change due to the disclaimer that again this you know calendar uh, mobile clinic schedule is subject to change and uh, the public can access or will have access in the upcoming uh, weeks to this uh, mobile health clinic schedule in our Alameda Health System intranet. Thank you. All right. Um, so we now have a presentation from David. Great to be with you all and watch your development and growth as a, um, as a governing board of a sub-recipient sub of our larger Alameda County health care for the homeless program. And I think we've mentioned before that our, our structure, the way, that, the way that our federally funded health center works is pretty unique here in Alameda County across the country. There's, there's about 1,500 health centers that are federally funded across the country. Each of those is supposed to be connected to the community that it serves, serve a basic, provide a basic set of primary care and enabling services, be governed by the communities that they, that they serve. And in, in our case, as a health care for the homeless health center, serve a specific population. Um, and overall, our structure here is that, you know, 30 years ago, our county was one of the few counties that, that became a health center. Most health centers are community-based, so they have their own, they, they, are, they historically, the, the health care for the homeless health centers were created out of, out of needs from different communities, different cultures that weren't being, or different poverty levels, um, rural, urban, etc., that weren't being served by the, the health systems around them. They made their own, they governed themselves, and they became standalone kind of nonprofit health centers. Do people have um, some of the names of some of those types of health centers here in the Bay Area, in the East Bay? Um, examples of those? La Clinica. La Clinica? Yeah. yeah. What else? American. 
I was just gonna say that. Yeah, Native American yeah. Health Center, slightly different, but same same general same idea. idea. Um, La Clinica, um, lifelong medical care, oh, yeah, lifelong. Asian, which started by organizing <coughs> for health care for seniors and aging people. Really, it became more of a general population services. Yeah, Asian, Asian Health, health Center, um, center yeah, in Chinatown. which started around community organizing um, of Asian people. Um, uh, Tri City Health Center down in the Fremont area, which was kind of a combination of geographical and um, and Indian and um, Sikh. Yeah, I don't know exactly what populations, but that was also a kind of a population focused thing. Um, Axis Health Center out in um, Livermore, which is more of a, a geographical organization, Tiburcio Vasquez in the South County, which was more of a Latino focus, etc. So all these different clinics kind of focused around populations. We came in it from, at, from the county saying, this is 30 years ago, <coughs> Alameda County said, you know, we can do a good job doing this health care for the homeless. Because our county has a hospital system, an ambulatory care system, public health department, etc., etc. So we started the health, Alameda County Health Care for the Homeless program. And part of our program was AHS, Alameda Health System Hospitals and, and so on and so forth, until 1999 when AHS split off and became a public hospital authority. <coughs> We kept the healthcare for the homeless program stayed in the in the health department of Alameda County, and we said we're going to keep this working relationship though because it's it's super important. And so AHS became a sub recipient. In other words, we got the healthcare for the homeless. The county got a grant, and we passed through some of our grant funds to AHS, who said we're going to continue to serve homeless people at our primary care clinics. And we're going to follow the rules, um, the, the, um, the national, the federal health center rules. And fast forward to around now, this is how we're following the rules. Um, you all are the, meeting the spirit of governing your, the health center services provided here at AHS. And you're, within a larger hospital system, you're focusing on homeless health care services in the primary care and the mobile health setting. And we are focused on making sure AHS is doing its job right and that it's meeting the requirements and doing the good work that, that we want that we all want to see done. So we're really happy to see this new AHS co-applicant board because you're a, you're a whole other set of eyes. AHS that can help guide AHS into elevate the board of trustees and the staff into elevating the issues of homeless health care and making those clear and really bring, making those visible. So it's a it's an exciting thing. The same thing's happening with our co-applicant board, the Healthcare for the Homeless Commission, which covers the whole county, but is focusing on <coughs> Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Health Center services for people experiencing homelessness throughout the county. And we're doing the same thing as staff. We're like listening to our board, hearing what, what's important, seeing that as another way to influence and direct our larger services. So um, we decided, we, we thought, you all think, I think, we all think it's important for us to give, to, us to give you a little refresher or an overview of how Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Health Center works. And so that's what I'm gonna do right now.
quick? Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a vision and a mission. Our vision is pretty clear. Homelessness is unacceptable. It's solvable. It's not rocket science to solve the problem of homelessness. Don't let anybody tell you it's too hard to solve. Um, and we want to be part of solving the problem of homelessness. Starting with the point, the, the point of that <clears throat> we believe our government, our community, our society has an obligation to be the producer of affordable housing for all people that live in that society. That mandate was pretty much, for the last hundred years or so, was part of the United States. That was abandoned about 30 years ago, which the idea that the government helps drive the creation of low-income housing. That was abandoned with the first Reagan um, elections in 1980, and we've been suffering ever since, um, waiting for the private sector to fix the problems, and we're still there. Rocket science part. It's easy. Realign your priorities, and homelessness will, will go away. Our mission, though, is to is what we do, and we work to improve the health of people experiencing homelessness throughout the county. We want to we want to make sure that people that are experiencing homelessness, we're not going to be able to solve every problem ourselves. We're going to be part of solving that. But our focus is making sure that if there are people out there that are experiencing homelessness, in one way or another, from doubled up families, to people that are experiencing street homelessness, anybody who's experiencing homelessness should get access to health care services, whether it's at clinics that they can go to or whether it's services that we can bring to them. Um, we're part of the Alameda County Health Care Services Agency, in other words, the health department of Alameda County. Um, we do both our, our program, which is about 20, 23 staff people right now. We, we do direct services. In other words, our staff goes and works with people on the streets in our street health teams and our shelter health teams. We're out there doing work with county employees. And we have like bureaucrats, like right now myself, who coordinate care as well. So um, we, that's, that's how we do our way in work in two ways, direct services and coordination of care contracts and contract monitoring. Um, and we also connect with larger nationwide and regional like-minded programs and projects, most notably the National Healthcare for the Homeless Council, um, which we're a really big part of that nationwide, um, wh whose goal it is to bring and share skills across the country around what are the best ways to do homeless health care services, and how can we, how do we partner with others in our fight to end homelessness? Um, right. Um, a little history of our program. Like I said, we started in 1988. Um, we were a pilot program for a couple years. It worked out. We got ongoing funding. HS used to be part of our program. HS jumped off in '99. Was pushed off. <laughs> jumped off. Bailed. <laughs> in 1999, and we kept that, that arrangement ever since. Um, we've been expanding and changing the way we do our services to kind of meet, to, to kind of reflect the, the, the nature and the face of homelessness um, and how it looks. Um, we opened our own proper clinic, since we'd only been doing mobile services and portable care up until 
about five years ago and having arrangements for clinics and contracting for clinics. Five years ago, we opened the Trust Clinic. Don was a big part of that, uh, where we said, you know what? We can run a clinic, and that will be a place where the most needy people experiencing homelessness, people that are disabled, on the streets, that might have mental health, substance abuse problems, and have a, a whole bucket of issues that are, that are hard to do. We know how to do the proper services for them. For them. So we made a, a clinic there that, had, that has housing services built in, that has in, enabling support services built in, has lawyers and legal advocates that help people get their social security documentation stuff, and the, the medical and especially behavioral and, um, and substance abuse services baked into the, to the clinic. We started that five years ago. About three or four years ago, we really went into high gear with AHS, um, and the idea was, which is actually just really rolling out on their own now, the, the training wheels are off, um, to have AHS run the medical mobile health services. We got kind of out of the business of being medical providers because our strengths are more about coordination of care, behavioral health care services, and enabling or social services. Our strength as a county was not being doing hospital care. And that's when we transitioned over to AHS to take over the mobile mobile clinics. And, and that's that's a lot of where, where our program has been kind of really heading is on the behavioral health care services, getting that out there. And then on top of that, in the last couple of years, responding to the explosion of street homelessness in Alameda County, this new level that we've gone to um, in the last few years, having to kind of pivot some of our services and go back to the basics of what we kind of used to do, which was more street direct ser services on the street. So we've created street health teams that are going out to different places that are going to, to encampment street, street facilities and providing that kind of interim care where people are while at the same time our larger goal of getting people connected to primary care and, and the services around that, housing, assistance, et cetera, are, is still there. But our real focus back to street health again. Um, and that's where we are in 2019 right now. Um, this is just a, a map that's a couple of years old actually, but it just shows that we have coverage over the county and we certainly can't night, there will be somewhere at the minimum 8,500 people sleeping on the streets, um, more like 10, 12,000 people. Um, add to that the number of people who might be experiencing doubled up homelessness, families that are staying from place to place or staying in a motel here or playing with friends, <coughs> etc. There, We get a number of somewhere probably approaching 30,000 people will experience some form of homelessness this year in Alameda County. The numbers are staggering. That's you know almost 2% of the population of the county. And when you look at those numbers in the, through the lens of race and race equity, it's a lot more disturbing than that, of who is experiencing homelessness and who is affected by homelessness. That's where we're at now. Um, that's just a little picture of where we're at right now in terms of our street health team 
which are kind of geographically focused. We have the five street health teams that we're just rolling out right now. Um, and unfortunately, having to train these contracted, we, we contracted with, with local clinics, Tri-City, Tiburcio, Lifelong, and we do our own thing, but we find that the local clinics need a lot of hand-holding, a lot of training in how to create appropriate street-level responses to, um, to providing healthcare services. But we're, we've got those, click, um, and we're rolling, we're organizing another three street health teams. Right now, that's the critical need, is getting out there where people are. Um, last year, we served about 10,000 people throughout. 10,000 of those, 25, 30,000 folks got some sort of assistance through our larger health center, including AHS um, clinics. That was about 45,000 visits. Overall, and I think you heard a little bit, of all the people that are working together as part of our health center, it's about 113 full-time equivalents, about 500 different people, workers, healthcare workers, outreach workers, bureaucrats, you know, administrative assistants, whoever, mobile clinic drivers and community health workers out there touching people or supporting our work. And right now, about 22 of our, our staff, healthcare for the homeless staff. And that's just showing some of the different programs that we are working with. Our three buckets that we work in are, number one, directly provided healthcare by our Healthcare for the Homeless program. Second, our sub-recipient relationship with AHS, <coughs> you all, making sure that you're doing the good work. And third, our other contracts for health center services. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more in the next slide about how we do that. Um, what does that say? Oh, that's it. Numbers the numbers are rising. Are rising across the, the board, all these numbers, these are numbers like how many people you all uh, were served at AHS last year, 6,000, and we're already well over this number, um, and we're still just three quarters of the way into the year. Um, so those numbers are rising up. Um, this is a little picture of our operational you chart. Just blow them all up, or do you want me to? Um, no, I will just walk through, I'll just kind of go like that every time. The first, it's, just, it's so hard to read though, um, I might just point to it. There's not a little later for us. I don't have that. Um, so anyway, this is our program. Our director of our program is situated in the health department. Um, this is our community advisory board. We have a, a, a board, an, ad, an, an advisory board made up of people who have experienced homelessness in the past or maybe are experiencing homelessness now or who have gotten or are getting services from our program that serve to advise and bring in information <coughs> And we have our co-applicant board, like you all, our governing board, which, like you all, has a co-applicant agreement with the larger health department and splits its governing powers. They, our co-applicant board, like you all, kind of tells us this is how, this is approves our policies and procedures, how we do our work, where we do our work, and provides that kind of drive for us. Where the county says, okay, this is how we do. HR, this is how we do our um, procurement and budgeting and stuff like that. Between those two, that's, that's our daddy. So that's our governance system. And with you all on, on, our, on our chart as well, um, your co-applicant board right here with a co-applicant agreement with the Alameda Health System Board of Trustees. So um, nobody ever said this was easy or not complicated. Our primary ways of, that our health center does its care is 
group, ensuring primary care homes for people that are experiencing homelessness, providing street health services out on the streets for people that are out on the streets, shelter health services for people that are staying in shelters, transitional houses, or institutions of some sort, and specialty care services such as dental, optometry, and specialty medical care. And then last but not least, the people who keep it all going, like, like me, our contracts and administration. Um, our primary care homes are the five clinics at Alameda Health System, Highland Wellness, I love the same day clinic in here for right in that just to make it easy. Um, Eastmont, Newark, Hayward, what am I forgetting? That's about it. Medical homes for people. Our goal is to connect people to medical homes, and you all provide that at AHS in the, outpa in the outpatient clinics. Um, the Trust Health Center, like I was talking about before downtown, that's another example of a medical home um, for folks that need a little bit extra, extra care, and we serve about 1,000 people a year, over 1,000, so about 1,200 people a year, where you all touch about um, six, you'll touch six or 7,000 people um, per year. This last year was around 8,000 people in total, getting access to primary care homes. Um, the next is our street health service. Like I mentioned before, we have one, two, three, four, five teams. One of those teams is, uh, is our staff, and our specialty is mental health. We have a psychiatrist on the team. We have a pharmacist, and we have a nurse and outreach workers. And th that team really works with people that have mental health issues and substance abuse issues. And we get them. Um, a lot of the substance abuse issues in, in Oakland are around opiate addiction. We get people that 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 um, pharmacist that works with us on the streets connects people with medication-assisted treatment to help people that have opiate addiction deal with their stuff, suboxone, buprenorphine, other types of things. Our psychiatrist can help people with long-lasting, sometimes a monthly shot, sometimes medication to help them with their mental, mental health issues. The rest of our street health teams are a little bit more like nurse and maybe a mid-level, kind of like what happens on the mobile clinic. A little bit softer touch, a little bit more medical and um, enabling services, not like hardcore psychiatrists like that, but what we're trying to do is invent what works and then spread that to the to, to these other teams that we contract with. And we expect to see at least about a thousand people over this next year in that that kind of it's not as efficient. You're going out to places, you're you're on a schedule, you're going from place to place. People camps are getting the whack-a-mole, they're getting sent from one, one place to the other. So it's not very efficient. So we we spend a lot more money serving fewer people. But the, the goal there is basic services in the field, but connecting them to a medical home and supporting that connection. The third area is shelter health services. There's about 15 sheltery type places that range everywhere from like a county funded in whole everything there at a shelter to the weird kind of dodgy shelters that you don't really know that kind of change fly by night. Um, different types of programs, transitional housing. There's about a, a thousand beds per night in our in our county shelter system to to serve the approximately eight to ten thousand people per night that are um, that are homeless. But the idea is that if somebody is entering into 
indoors of some way, what, you know, from in, into the shelter transitional um, housing systems, they should have access to health care, they should be living in a healthy environment as well. And so our, the, the work of our shelter health services it team is to provide that care, connect people, hook them up, train staff, create healthier environments, and um, create just a healthier situation in the shelter. Um, then, oh, part of shelter health, that's where we fit AHS mobile health into. Because the, most of the places at the AHS, not all of the places, but most of the places that the, the mobile health van goes to are those kind of shelter, drop-in centers, programs. So that's that's why organizationally we put the, the AHS mobile health services in, in that shelter health bucket. Um, specialty care services, like I mentioned before, are we have contracts with dental providers. Um, we have a, we contract with a mobile dental health um, provider with these big 40-foot mobile vans that have like four operatories on them, two dentists working, and we buy, we, con we pay a pretty penny um, a couple thousand dollars a day for um, a once a week visit to different to shelters and we organize where they go to they just show up and we our, our case managers have a list of people and that we're, we're getting them in there and getting them treatment and providing that dental case management support so they can come back uh, the next week the week after that the week after that to finish their dental um, care we also have a contract with La Clinica de la Raza over at Brookvale, and we do the same thing, but it's a brick and mortar, so we send people to that clinic. And our, our staff is doing that kind of dental case management, because it's not as easy just to tell somebody, oh, here, here's an appointment, go to the dentist. Um, when they get to the dentist, they find out that it's a, there's a lot going on for a lot of people when, the, when they get their first dental stuff, and there's a, there's a lot of steps that you need to take, and you need a lot of support. A lot of people need that support to complete their dental treatment plan. And then our goal, is to then get people after that, all that work is done, get them into regular ongoing dental care for that preventative care. Um, optometry, kind of the same idea. We spend $100,000 a year now with, uh, with optometrists paying for people that need to get glasses and eye exams, and we're just moving people. You know, it's, it's a lot easier optometry than dentists, that's for sure. You just go in and get your eye exam and then come back and pick out a pair of glasses. Um, but there's a lot of movement there. Um, and then the other part of specialty care is the specialty care medical services that happen here at AHS. Um, that, you know, somebody, who maybe they're getting their care at, at Tri-City or Lifelong or at our trust clinic or something, but they need that extra endocrinology for their diabetes or the congestive heart failure. They need to come to a, to a specialty clinic. You all are the specialty <coughs> providers for the whole county. And people will come from all over and get that get those specialty care services here and that's super important as our population as the people experiencing homelessness are more and more the people that are falling through the safety net the people that are aging the people that already have complicated medical issues which is why like disgustingly enough why they become homeless in the first place because they're old because they can't work anymore because they're too sick or disabled to work that's why they're they're becoming homeless. Homeless, and then the people that are on the home, they're on the streets, are just getting sicker and sicker. So the need for these specialty care services is more and more important as we go along. Um, 
and then yeah, our team that kind of supports this whole system of care. That's a that's like a picture of the the system of care that um, that our healthcare for the homeless program is trying to operate and coordinate. That was about ten thousand people and fifty thousand visits that we expect next year. This is the AHS part. The parts that I circled. You're a big part of our of our health center services. It's more the not so glorious part, the kind of day to day work. You're not there in the newspaper saying we're helping the homeless. You're at the clinics. It's it's part of as increasingly the problem of homelessness is everywhere, and in AHS it's just part of your clinic population. That percentage of people that are experiencing homelessness, and you're doing that work. Um, our finances. You guys talked about your, your finances last week, um, last year, last month. We got a grant from HRSA, get about $4 million a year to hire the staff to, to do all that and to pay for the, those contracts that we were doing. We also get money from the County Mental Health Services Act. Um, how many of you all are, have to pay millionaire taxes on your, um, um, there's a millionaire tax in California that if you're a millionaire, you have to pay 1% or whatever extra, and that's called the Mental Health Services Act, and it goes to counties. They can use that for homeless and mental health-related stuff. So we, that's how we run that trust clinic downtown. We, we use county-administered state funds to do that. Um, and we're always trying to shake down more money in, in the county and wherever we can. Um, we're right now figuring out how on earth are we gonna continue this next year. We have to expand. We have to take on new stuff, like continuing our street health services, so continuing to support our work. We need more dental services. We need more optometry care. We need to jumpstart respite care. Um, have you all talked about respite care? What's that? Yeah. Yeah, what's respite care is when when people are dis be, should be discharged from the hospital. They're well enough to not stay in a hospital bed, but say I'm, I'm, I'm homeless, and I'm like, okay, I just got this cast on my leg and this catheter coming out of my neck. I, I don't need to stay in the hospital, but where do I go? Um, there's, a, there's a ton of people that, are, that, are, that need to be discharged from the hospital that don't have anywhere to go, and the creation of a respite care facility is a place to live for a few weeks to a few months and recuperate. So recuperative care, respite care. That's big on our agenda. We're trying to, we're working hard to generate that that service right now. We don't, there, there are no places like that right now. That's For all intents and purposes, no, but yes. Um, you Like AHS has a, a, a way to discharge some people to the East Oakland Community Project Shelter, where they have kind of a dorm with 10 beds in it um, for, for men, and it's something. And then there's um, another one in downtown Oakland, which is the same idea, five beds, it's something, it's, it's a shelter. And we're building, in the very early processes of building a great big state-of-the-art one out in Alameda, that's gonna take a couple years to get off the ground, and that's gonna be great. And in the meantime, we're working out, we worked out an arrangement with Lifelong, who, Lifelong Medical Care has an old apartment building that that is, the process right now of being built up, and we've actually got a couple um, apartments in that building in West Oakland ready and taking people that are being discharged. That's only 10 or 20 beds as well. 
we get the big guy over in Alameda um, Point, Crab Cove, that would be 100 folks, 150 folks. That would be really helpful. But that's a lot of work that needs to be done. We need to shake down money from wherever we can find it. Um, like you guys mentioned last year, you know, part of this is all the money that we actually get and we spend on our services. This is the amount mostly by AHS, well, $11 million is what you all estimated that it cost you to serve the 6,500 homeless treat, the 6,500 um, patients who were experiencing homelessness last year in terms of staff salaries and all the costs of that care. So that's just, that's a number that's just kind of, that, that we tell the feds, it cost us it cost our partners $14.5 million to do all this. It cost us $7.5 million. That adds up to an overall cost in our programs around $22 million. And a little bit of revenue, most of which comes in through AHS, through um, uh, Medi-Cal reimbursement and other forms of insurance um, for the services. So that's a little overview of the finances of our health system. This is too long, too much details, but it just says, here are our contractors. AHS, our sub-recipients, La Clinica Dental, on-site is that mobile dental, lifelong East Oakland Street Health Team. They're starting, they're, they haven't even started yet, but they're getting their group together to start doing sites in East Oakland. Tri-City, South, South County and East County Team, lifelong downtown street health. Fruitvale Optical is our optical provider. Tiburcio Vasquez is doing Central County Hayward Street Health Team and Lifelong to run our trust clinic. Those are our contractors. Sure. The, when it says the amount uh, in 19 and 20, yeah. what is, or you want to say that amount? Yeah, like for example, starting off, we pay, we, with, our, with a mixture of grants and county funds, we're paying, we're going to be next year, Paying a you all AHS a pretty penny, um, but not enough. But you know to run the mobile clinics. That's what we're most of our money that we're that we're funneling, channeling, passing through is the right term to AHS is to run the mobile clinic. <coughs> and new this year we're gonna we're starting to pay the new um, medical director, the health the AHS health center medical director part part of that person. But for each of these, this is all, almost all of these are federal grant funds that we use to pay for this, this care, this care, except for the trust clinic, which is that state funds, that mental health services outcome. Um, so the current challenges right now, as we all know, we're all in this, the huge surge in the, the, the collapse of our um, safety net systems right now. And we're, we're struggling, everybody's struggling with that. I don't really need to explain to you how hard it is to find housing here, the absolute numbers of people li living on the streets and sheltered, un not sheltered, we're seeing just over the last years, drops in the number of shelter beds. Um, every year there's fewer and fewer shelter beds and every year there's more and more people living in the streets. And like I mentioned before, the aging and increasingly comorbid, I like to use that word, comorbidity means multiple sicknesses or multiple problems. And that's generally the case with a lot of the people experiencing homelessness. And now add to that mix 
of generally people experiencing homelessness have stuff going on, not everybody, but they have multiple health conditions, often behavioral health care and substance abuse type issues, and now more and more aging and stuff like that. But add to that just the fact that people that would otherwise just be carrying on, just living poor, are falling onto the streets. And we, we as, as health care for the homeless providers, are used to, to, to focusing on the people that need help the most and triaging. Okay, I can help this person that has multiple issues and all that that person needs is just a cheap place to live. And we're having to kind of figure out, like, how we, should I protect that person's health and put more energy into, into s s keeping this person healthy or saving this person who's getting sicker and sicker on the streets? And it's, it's a super challenging time. Um, we're also doing that same thing with even an, an even more dysfunctional group, which is our, our county and city and federal and state leaders around this. And how, how do we coordinate all of, the, I mean, all of the different actors that need to be working together? Like in terms of street homelessness, you need to have environmental health inspectors out there helping. You need to have fire department out there making sure that there's safe living places. You need to have the hygiene situations, the porta-potties. You know, this is all stuff that Derek is better <laughs> than anybody to talk about. But porta-potties, trash pickups, clean water, showers, public health services, vaccination services, all of these and all of these issues need to be coordinated and provided while cutting across all these different levels, the BART district, the Caltrans, CHP, school districts, cities, counties, Trump coming in and saying God knows what he'll do next week. Um, we got a lot. David yeah. He's gone for 30 minutes and he's still got six slides. So let's go. Uh oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this is just a picture of, you know, it's more than just, you know, what it's really important for us to focus on our our health center and our what are we supposed to do? What is our job? And that's providing health care services to people experiencing homelessness in our lane, according to our scope of project, our scope of places that we do our services and the type of care that we do. And our job isn't to end homelessness and, and be part of building housing and, and making sure that encampments have um, portable this and that and solar power and all that. But it's hard to just go back to that place. It's all, it's all connected. So we, we work with a lot of things. And in the county, it's coming around to the Alameda County Homeless Council is the kind of the center of organizing on the county level. Each city and staff does its own thing. Um, we have the housing, like the folks in the county that are building housing, which are like the, the county that uh, measure A1, that big bond last year that got a bunch of money, and then working with the private sector and the nonprofit sector to build housing, a drop in the bucket, but at least a movement in the right direction. Homeless services are coordinated by our HUD continuum of care. Most homeless services are funded by housing and urban development, um, where we're funded by HHS, Health and Human Services. HUD funds the shelters and a lot of the programs. Um, and we, in the, on, on the healthcare side, we're the county, we work with the managed care providers and our indigent care services from our county, the behavioral health care services part of the county, 
social services, the public health department, all these districts that I was telling you about, all these other things in the county, environmental health, public works, garbage, stuff like that, the criminal justice system, and then most important, I think, is the communities that we work with, the advocates, the groups that are working and organizing together and directly providing services, the faith community, neighborhood groups, and residents and people experiencing homelessness themselves that are part of this solution. So we have to reach out to a lot of different partners. And this is, I think I talked a lot about our street health team, no more. Um, we're gonna we're keeping expanding those. Trust clinic I talked a lot about. And you know, some of those initiatives or slash challenges is, is that data sharing can, continues to be really complicated. Um, and we're working towards a, a vision that if we're working with somebody, we can find out what all their different care it has been to help them coordinate their services. A step in the right direction is, is AHS coming on the EPIC, other folks are coming on to the EPIC EHR, and the county has created this thing called a community health record, and that's the goal, is like better data sharing systems. Um, that we want to make sure, we're doing great work, we want to make sure that the quality of our work is good. It's not enough to say, oh, well, we're helping you at least. No, we want to be doing the top-notch job in both in our direct services and with our, our, um, our contractors. And we want to ride our contractors to make sure they're doing the best um, thing that they can, best work they can possibly do. Um, more important, back to outreach, back to the streets again. That's, that's really where our focus is this year. And, and we're kind of the, a big part of leading that. And emergency response. There's more and more, each type of emergency that's happening is disproportionately affecting certain populations, especially people experiencing homelessness. So when we get, when we talk about weather-related stuff, heat, cold, floods, smoke, air quality, fires, stuff like that, things are directly affecting people that are experiencing homelessness, and our emergency responders are not prepared for that type of interaction. They, they want to like rescue rich people that have it all figured out, but when they rescue people that don't have a place to go back to, it's it gets complicated. And so we're on both sides of that. Like get the word out and be able to be prepared for emergencies and when emergencies happen, how to deal with the issue of homelessness. Um, and yeah, super important to us is the idea of consumer input. That the people that are that we're that are there are consumers, the people that are we're, that we're treating or that we that have been through our program are able to give back to our and help kind of run our services and weigh in and help direct us. We, we feel like that's super important. And I think that's enough. Yeah. I hope that's a good introduction to the larger thing in which you all are playing a part. Probably call two one one. Um, at some point, you would you would say I need help, and you would ask somebody help, and and you'd say call two one one to 
and, and that's kind of the, the that's first the starting point. Yeah. Starting that's point. Starting and everybody, everybody starts there. Even yeah. I did. Yep. Yeah. And two one one, you would they would say, how can we help you? What do you need? And that's you know two one one is a county. It's it's not it's not run by the county, but it's funded by the county. Every county has its own two one one. So when you call two one one, you would they would say, okay, what do you need? And you would you say, shelter. I need some health care. I need a place to eat. I need I need it. And they would they would go with you on that and help you prioritize what your next steps would be. And if, if medical care was one of your next steps, they would put you in touch with our program. If you entered a shelter, you <coughs> might run into one of our shelter house folks, you might see the van, you might, if you were living outdoors, you might see one of our street health teams. Um, there's lots of, or like it happens with AHS, you might just go to your regular clinic and not even know that you're getting health care for the homeless services at your clinic. Um, so the people that are living on the street, many of them really don't know where to go maybe? Correct. Yeah. Absolutely true. Or how to get help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm doing a lot of outreach to the camps right now to let them know that there is health care available for them. So that's been my mission for the past month. So if you look at my Facebook page, you'll see that. <laughs> you, well, you uh, just type in my name on Google, it comes up too. But I do, well, similar to you, but I do the homeless that are already in the clinic, the K-Fix clinic, you know, that's what my focus is. Because uh, I go out to the, the actual campsites where a lot of people aren't comfortable. I'm perfectly comfortable because mostly camps know me. So I could go in there and, and talk very comfortably and be believable. Whereas a lot of folks go into the camp and they can have badging and everything, and but people won't listen to them because they don't have anything that clicks with that individual. See, where I go in and they know that I've lived on the street, I've been where they're, they're at, and I've been through the system, and I can guide them. So that's what makes me believable. When I show up in a camp, I bring also, if somebody's on the mobile, sees the mobile clinic, wants us, what's this? They'll be able to talk to one of the community health workers on the, on the clinic and on the mobile clinic and, and get more information. Mm -hmm. I have a question about the mobile clinic. So, for people who come through there that are homeless, um, are they looked up to see if they've had a screen for coordinated entry? When they're on mobile, they're yeah. not checked to see whether or not. And then my other question is, will veterans be identified like during the assessment? Yes. And then, okay. That's part of actually every registration. Yeah, that every, every registration, the first thing they ask, are you a veteran? Every one of them. So if they're on the street, they don't have a phone, then how do they? Uh, I, usually, yeah, <laughs> I usually send them either to a location to get a free Obama yeah. phone or I, I, uh, if they have 20 to $40 on them, I send them down to Walmart to get a track phone. Track phones are far superior to the Obama oh, yeah. phones. So, and you don't lose any money or time. 
it's, it's safe to say there isn't enough outreach services and there aren't enough people on the streets to get out there and get the word out. Um, well, with some loose help, we come across the door. Mm -hmm. Is there, um, like, I'm just thinking about, I've worked with a few, like, different uh, organizations that do, like, food, Some of those, they, they do have additional time to do, like West Oakland, North Oakland. So if you have a specific group, uh, email it to me and I'll forward it to those uh, uh, volunteer groups. And like East Oakland, uh, the real role, they go all over Oakland. Yeah. Yeah, if I, I have a new request, they do everything possible to try and get to that camp. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just thinking, like, do they also bring it? Same way we 
about and what terms we use, similar, you got a lot of background from David today kind of about the subrecipient agreement. And the idea here is to explain what is a subrecipient agreement, and it's something that you have to approve every year. So we want you to understand what's required in order for it to be approved and then where it is in our contract so that you can see that the requirements are there. So we're doing an overview of what a subrecipient agreement is. David has done a great history, so you know why we have it. And that's uh, your responsibility ultimately will be to approve it each year. You need to uh, you need to be familiar with what to expect in a subrecipient agreement when you see it. So that's what we're doing today is let me get you familiar with the idea of subrecipient agreement and what it's gonna look like. Alright? And so similar to the budget too, we take it in parts because it's a lot of it's not nearly as exciting as David's presentation. It's uh, <laughs> it's dry and legal.
supervisors, but the County Board of Supervisors doesn't get to say what happens in Alameda Health and Safety. And so then the Healthcare for the Homeless program, mm -hmm. you are part of the county, or no? Yes. We are okay. yes. That's the county, county. Okay. we're separate. Mm -hmm. But we are a sub-recipient of their yes. awards, okay. and thus we have a relationship. Good. Oh no, this is good. I mean, it takes a long, it's hard. It's complex. You know, I didn't know I worked for the county for like five years. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that we can do is that we can provide you a copy of the statute that essentially gives birth to Alameda Health System or the Hospital Authority. And for reference, it's Health and Safety Code 
approved for federal awards from our federal government. We don't use that in this award. We use this 10% rate for agreement with the county. Um, the actual um, rate that we've been approved from the feds is somewhere close to 48%. I mean, it's really, really high. And if, if we were to um, have that kind of an indirect rate, even though it's approved by our government, we have a really high indirect rate for our system, Alameda Health System, it would be really um, burdensome for this award if we leverage that. So we stick with more what's uh, considered typical for grants. And there are additional rules that we have to follow in this. That's the federally qualified health center status payment rate, Social Security Act, the 340B drug pricing program, the National Health Service Corps program, and the Health Center FCPA medical malpractice program. We're just kind of calling out all the things that we are required to pay attention to and follow the rules of. Yep. Sorry, and this is a contract with
subrecipient agreement is a very formal, very dry, non-negotiable document of just the requirements to make a, a recipient and a subrecipient. And you're going to have to approve it. Sorry, it's complicated. I mean, part of it, I, I want you, when you get, when you, uh, maybe not during the meeting, but you have the document. But you can read through it and see what it says so that you understand what's there. And hopefully through this overview, too, you're understanding that this section of the contract, as difficult as it is, is just the required language from the federal government that says, yes, we're going to follow the rules. That's you. We're us. It's this date. It's this much. We will follow the rules. But we need a lot of words to think from these additional requirements that are being put on us. They're going to say what they are. They're going to call them out. Hey, by the way, it's not just this, but you guys pay attention to these things. Um, HS is responsible, so this also tells us what our responsibilities are in Section C, and it's the second line. It's responsible for maintaining its clinic operations, including development and implementation of the clinic's operating policies and procedures. So some of this also separates out, like, AHS needs to do that. Alameda County Healthcare Performance Program does not. They are a separate agency. We're defining whose job it is to do what part of the program. And in this case, as a subrecipient, we have the authority to do all of this. They do not have the authority to tell us what to do, and that's spelled out. They have to tell us what we are required to do for the federal government, but then what we're required to do for ourselves. So if that's the protecting the public welfare and the environment, prohibiting discrimination, et cetera, is that that? That's C. That's C, yes. That we're, this just says, we're going to, we are subject to and shall comply with. It is our responsibility, and we will do what the federal law says. And D says, and we're going to demonstrate that we do it. And we demonstrate that we do it through these monitoring visits, for example, that I talked about earlier in the project uh, director report. We demonstrate that we're following the rules. They come and they look, and we say, yes, see, here's the proof that we follow the rules. So next, um, so October 28th uh, monitoring visit is very much about governance, and where we say, yes, we're following the rules. See, this is our governing board. These are minutes where we've met. certain required decisions that you'll need to make, and so I need to prove that you have made them. And in our case, since we're a very new board, you haven't necessarily made them yet. So it might be that I put it on the agenda to show, and they will make that decision on this date, right? Um, they, will, they will approve it on this date. Okay? Some of this is for reading later. I know it's very small, and the point isn't like, hey, read everything that's on this page, but more describe. Here's where it says that. Here's where we say that in our contract. So you guys can read that. Um, this idea, number four, an approved federally recognized indirect cost rate, that's on our cover sheet. So that's just me saying, no, let's go back to the cover sheet. Um, a requirement that the subrecipient permit recipient and auditors to have access to the subrecipient records and financial statements is necessary for you to meet federal re award requirements. That was number five on the list from the feds and then in our contract, I just cut and paste this out of our contract. 
says that we're required to do that. We have to give them access to records and reports. So we said that we're doing that. And then we have to have the appropriate terms and conditions of the closeout. So this talks about somewhere in the contract it has to say when it ends and how it ends. And what are our options for ending? So we have the dates of the contract year and there is an option though that if we need to close out for any reason earlier this is how we would do it. So that's included in the contract. That is it. See I kept it really short. I didn't want to overwhelm you. As those are the requirements of the sub-recipient part of the contract. Next month we can talk more about the fun stuff, the programmatic part. talking recently about, you know, one of our meetings about this idea that, you know, they're spending a lot of money on optometry 
like directly contracting optometry services. And one of the challenges Alameda Health System faces at our optometry department is very overwhelmed and there's a really long wait for an appointment. And David, I was with people again, and he says, that's not good enough for people experiencing homelessness. And this is where you can always say, that's not good enough for people experiencing homelessness. We need you to do something better. They shouldn't have to wait in a three-month line with everybody else. We need to make something happen around that. How do we do that? They're pushing for it. You could push for it. And then we figure out, well, how? And that's an example of, it's not necessarily mandated in this contract. They want to improve and drive quality and move it forward through our quality committees. And it's not stated in the contract, by the way, you need to see X number of people experiencing homelessness in your optometry clinic within seven days of them saying they need an appointment. But there's this opportunity, it won't be in the contract, there would be an opportunity though to figure out, well, how do we make that happen? Versus these dollars that say, this many patients on mobile clinic because we've got this dollar specifically tied to your nurse practitioner and we want to make sure that she's being the treatment. Does that help? I don't know if that helps or is it harder to understand. It is actually. <laughs> so yeah, next month we'll do a little bit more of like, okay, this is that was the subrecipient fee. Now this is the contract. These are these other things they want us to do. So that in December
posting all kinds of stuff for our clinic to help get the word out. We're not paying for that out of those dollars that they gave us at the end of that. Anything else? If mail comes in, there's somebody sorting it for us. Indirect costs. Um, my office gets cleaned by EDS. That's indirect. That's certainly not part of the bill. I have an office. That's not part of the bill. We have a desk. Not part of the bill for those offices. Indirect. Which, and this is how you can suddenly see that the actual indirect rate for running this kind of a program in this large of, a, of an organization is more like 48% of the grant. For every dollar of the grant we're spending, we're matching it. Probably at least half, halfway. For that 700000 they're giving us, we're putting in 700000 of our own. But it's not recognized. Seventy thousand from you for that. Thanks. That helps. Yeah. Good. Yep. Is there any public comments? Richard moves to adjourn the meeting. The meeting adjourned. Everybody in favor? Anybody not in favor? Don't forget to ask them. I